Dr. Nicole Gruel, welcome to the More Love podcast. I'm very pleased that we can have and share this conversation today. Let me introduce you. You have a PhD in Integral and Transpersonal Psychology. You speak around the world. You've written three books and been published in peer-reviewed academic journals. Your books have been featured in leading Australian wellbeing magazines. And your newest book, The Power of Notes, How Non-Ordinary Transcendent Experiences Transform the Way We Live, Love and Lead, is a finalist in the prestigious Indies Award. And if we look beyond the formal qualifications, positions and publications, we discover that you dream of a world where everyone is healthy, happy and leading lives of deep love and satisfaction, which you describe as radical radiance on all levels, body, heart, mind, spirit, community and planet. On your quest to understand why we're really here, you've had some pretty wild experiences. A near-death experience as a teenager, the early loss of several family members in short period of time, and years of backpacking around the world, meandering through countless spiritual paths. You write that, eventually you came to realise that the greatest challenge and most interesting part of the whole journey is how to ground and fully embody this human life, right here, right now, right in the messiness and craziness of this hectic world. I couldn't agree more, so I think we're a perfect match for a conversation about experiencing love in our human, often overwhelming life. So welcome, Nicole. Helen, thank you so much for the incredible introduction and and I feel like I'm on an episode of This Is Your Life. (laughs) (laughs) Great, so thank you for having me. It's, It's such a joy to be with you and your audience and what better topic to talk about than love always. I know. So let's start with a term that you use a lot, NOTE which stands for Non-Ordinary Transcendental Experience. So what's your definition of a note? And how many people do you think experience them? And if you would, would you tell us about one of your experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you had it right on the first one, Non-Ordinary Transcendent Experiences. And it's a term, um, it's a mouthful, it's a real mouthful, Um, But I think it's a useful mouthful because it helps us um, take a bit more of an objective perspective to what can sometimes be a pretty loaded subject um, around spirituality. In a nutshell, we're talking about spiritual experiences. But the term itself, notes, came from Dr. William Broad, and he was a transpersonal psychologist. And what he was trying to do was he really wanted to bring together three fields of research, one being transpersonal psychology, another one being exceptional human experiences, and the third, paranormal studies. All three of those areas, he thought, had amazing contributions to make in understanding these non-ordinary experiences that can happen, um, heightened and expanded states of human consciousness and beingness and awareness. And so, but, but all three of those fields had kind of taken slightly different pathways in terms of their research methods um, and, and, you know, the, the direction they were going in. So he painted this big umbrella term, notes, 
to fit them all into one larger conversation. And when I came across this term notes, I thought, what a brilliant way to encompass so many different experiences that we can have. Um, in fact, when you put them all together, one bit of research has been done just in the field of exceptional human experiences alone. And um, there's a list there of over 500 dif different types of experiences that can fit under that. So this notes umbrella is absolutely huge and it enables us to have all of these different conversations. And I find, you know, maybe some of your listeners have had this too. I've had a really kind of, I guess, a love-hate relationship with the word spirituality um, over my lifetime. There are times where I've found it very helpful and times where I've, you know, it, it just hasn't been the best term to use and it can certainly alienate a lot of people. So when I was going about my studies, I wanted a, a neutral term that could still encompass those experiences as well, but not alienate people. So I found notes, um, a neutral way to do it. And interestingly, what started to happen as I was using the term notes once we all got over the mouthful that it is, is that um, people would self-identify within that or within a type of experience, even if they wouldn't call themselves spiritual. And I thought, ah, now we have it. <laughs> we have a term. So, so the task at hand is really how to popularize the term notes, you know, so we can have these conversations about them um, more broadly. So that's what the term is. In terms of how many people have them, studies vary. So in, in the field of spiritually transformative experiences, some numbers state up to 50% of people have had at some point in their life some kind of a spiritually transformative experience or a non-ordinary um, experience that gives a heightened um, or expanded consciousness and awareness. My personal feeling on it, though, is that it's way more. It's way, way more because when we start to go into understanding what notes are, and I'll give some common examples like a dream can be a non, well, it is a non-ordinary state. It's not our ordinary waking state. And every now and then, sometimes we might get one of those really big dreams that, you know, we come out of it slightly changed or we know that it's very significant to our life or something in it was a bit more unusual than our usual dreams that happen. So that could be a note-like dream. Falling in love is another one of those garden variety notes. It happens to most of us at some point in our life and it has all the characteristics when we fall in love. We time warps, um, <laughs> our, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, our, our sense of self is expanded through the experience. Our paradigms are shifted. And those are criteria that fit non-ordinary transcendent experiences, whether they be big, full-blown mystical experiences or, you know, like these garden variety notes. Um, so some more examples there. There's many different ways we can classify these over 500 experiences. Others that people would know are peak experiences. So when you're thinking about sporting um, or music, uh, when you're really in the zone. So peak experiences are something that have become quite popularized now. That's the type of note. Again, time mm. is warped or shift. We are connected to something greater than ourselves and we're in a particular flow and zone. 
often mm. these are very pleasant. Yeah, like well. dancing um, in a group, you know, and everyone's exactly, in time. Exactly. So when people, when you go dancing in a group and you get really deep into it, and sometimes you might say, wow, I just feel like I lost myself in that experience or I became so at one with everyone in the experience or that just took me to another place. Mm. Those are key indicators that something transcendent, meaning through the self, beyond the self, have actually taken place as well. So these are all wonderful types of notes. Um, Other categories are healing experiences. So people might have gone to a healer and had something happen or there's some incredible stories of people out there who have had spontaneous healing experiences. Um, Perhaps they've received a diagnosis that was uh, not looking good at all and somehow through, you know, whether they were involved in a prayer process or, um, you know, something happened at some point, they were actually miraculously healed. Uh, This happens a lot. People don't talk about it much. The medical world doesn't document it much, but actually it happens quite mm, a bit. Mm. Um, and, and modern medicine can't explain it in conventional terms as well. Mm. So these stories, you know, I always love. There are encounter, yeah, there are encounter type experiences. So um, people, you know, you would have heard the ones about Bigfoot or fairies in the garden or leprechauns or, you know, people talk about extraterrestrials. So there can be these moments of encountering something that we don't consider uh, normal <laughs> or human. Or just even can... imaginary friends when we were kids. And who's to say, you know, I've got exactly. a three-year-old now, who's to say they're not imagining it, right? Who's to say I simply can't see with my own adult eyes what my child is actually mm. seeing and experiencing. And this is the problem, and we'll get into this um, in our discussion later, I'm sure, but this can be one of the problems that people have when they have a note. It's like you travel to this foreign place and you come back and then no one understands. (laughs) You know, it's so hard. Why can't you see what I see, right? (laughs) Um, And then, of course, there are other types, categories of these notes that are are not as pleasant and, you know, there are darker ones or even death-related experiences um, so a common, not a common, but one that's quite popular these days is the near-death experience where, you know, typically someone's physical body will flatline or, you know, show all of the indications that they are no longer living or come very close to that point. And yet their consciousness has a different kind of experience entirely where perhaps they have an out-of-body experience, they go traveling, astral traveling. They um, might meet loved ones or light beings or see the light or experience the light in some way. Um, So we're talking about a huge range here um, within notes. Oh, and another very common one these days that's happening is plant medicine. A lot of people um, are are getting involved in different types of plant medicine. and, And that one's been with us for a long time. I mean, you know, psychedelics mushrooms, um, marijuana, healing, healing with plants, ayahuasca, absolutely. These, these have been with us a long time um, and they seem to be having a real revival these days. And, you know, I think it's probably because in many ways people feel we're living in a soulless world and, and want to connect to something deeper mm. and they provide a very uh, quick and easy doorway for many, not always safe, but, you know, a, a quick and easy doorway. So, yeah, notes are a huge, huge topic. 
And um, and you asked about one of my experiences. I've had many. <laughs> this is why I'm, I guess, why this journey chose me and I chose it as well. I guess probably the the one I should share first was a, a near-death experience I had when I was um, a teenager. And a friend and I were over in New Zealand, whitewater rafting. And we went over the waterfall and the raft tipped and the boat, I tipped out of the boat and I went deep under the big waterfall. And if you can imagine 10 metres of water pounding down, it just um, plunged me very deep into the water very fast. And I grew up a swimmer, so I was very strong that way and I had a swimmer's reaction, which was to throw my arms out and try and swim and of course, when you're under 10 meters of water, you don't do that because it pushes you down even deeper. So I ended up in black water where I couldn't see. Um, and, you know, everywhere I was looking around me, it looked the same. So I didn't know which way was up or which way was down. And I realized there was no point in trying to swim. Then I had a moment of panic, total panic come over me as I knew I was on my last breath and then straight after that, I was overwhelmed with absolute calm, absolute calm and absolute stillness. And from that black water, I had my eyes open, in that black water emerged a horizon of light. Not, not as in the light from the sun, but within the black water horizon of light. And coming towards me in that horizon of light was my maternal grandmother, who's from my samurai family. And so we've always had a very strong connection. And interestingly, she was actually living at the time. Um, people are often visited by their dead relatives. I had a living relative come and, come and greet me. And my first pet dog, um, I was an only child. And so dogs were, you know, my pets were like my siblings. And so this, um, being had passed over so I had a living and a, and a passed over being come towards me to greet me and I was only 14 years old so I was thinking to myself this is a bit weird what are you doing here and then I heard a voice right next to my ear say Nicole remember to breathe a strong male voice and then the recollection came back of the briefing that we'd had with the uh with the rafting coaches about curling up in a ball if we fall out of the boat. So I curled up like a ball, I had my life jacket on and I popped straight up to the surface again. And that was the end of that experience, you know. Again, I was only 14 and I was just glad we got out of there alive that day. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know that would be one of the most formative experiences of my life. Um, and. I, I wasn't to understand that or even know what it was called. I didn't have the language to call it a near-death experience then um, until much later, much, much later. And perhaps because of that experience or maybe I was just born this way, um, but I've always wanted to deep dive into these kinds of experiences and what we are capable of as human beings. Um, and, you know, I look back on that experience with so much gratitude because because it happened to me as a kid, mm. I didn't have paradigms that needed to be shifted or mm. questioned. Mm. 
um, as many adults do when they have these notes and, you know, they have some, some pretty serious issues sometimes um, ad adapting when your paradigm is lifted and shifted because our minds are so constructed at that point. But as a kid, I was able to just accept it as part of what is. So it never occurred to me afterwards that we are not able to do that as human beings. And the ride has just gotten wilder since then. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that you use the, um, or that you still do use the term note. I mean, it's part of the title of your of most recent book. It feels all inclusive, you know. It makes me look back on my life and I would have told you at the beginning of this conversation that I haven't had any sort of miraculous spiritual experiences. But if we expand the definition to, to the notes, I'm like, oh, that one counts and that one counts. And and that's what's so beautiful about these conversations is I, I bet most people have had something at some point in their life that expanded them in that way and we, we do, don't we? We tend to think of these experiences as these full-blown events that only a small segment of the population mm. have. Um, but really, I think they're incredibly common because the conclusion I've come to is that they're actually a very normal mm. and natural part of what it is to be human. Mm. Mm. And I think to it, it um, sorry, you saying it's a normal and natural part of being human, I couldn't agree more, but it kind of stilled my mind and I couldn't remember what I was about <laughs> to say. <laughs> Maybe we're having a note as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> so let me go back to my notes and ask you the next question. Um, well, actually, it's the perfect lead-in because the question is, would you say that a non-ordinary um, transcendent, not transcendental, transcendent experience enhance, enhances our connection to life force energy? And is life force energy and unconditional love the same thing? Yeah, this is such a powerful um, question. So the, the first part of that denotes enhance our connection to life force energy 100% yes. 100% yes. Um, so the, the research that I did for my doctoral studies, um, I went deeply into the stories of a small group of people, 20 people, who'd had um, life-changing notes. And this came across so strongly in the findings that um, that essence that moves through us, you know, this life force energy, this life that we are, it's like notes are, um, it's like turning the volume up, <laughs> turning the volume up on the radio, you know, turning the tap on our ability to experience our own life force energy. So it's an overwhelming yes um, for that. Now, what does that mean and what does that look like? And is it pleasant and amazing and fantastic? Not always. Um, if you, you know, for those who have had these pretty profound experiences, a couple of them um, had what, you know, some of your listeners might have heard of it, a Kundalini type experience, which basically uh, means we have energy systems within our body and uh, an electrical current that, that run through. Um, and so when we are switched on in certain ways, we're able to carry and hold more of that energy that moves through us. 
And so for people who have like a Kundalini awakening or experience, uh, two said exactly the same thing about it, that it was like being a 100 volt plug getting plugged into a 1000 volt socket. And so our body um, can only handle so much. So if you can imagine the difference between, you know, lovemaking and then orgasm, we can't sustain an orgasm all the time. You know, we would fall apart. We're just not built that way. We can have the experience. It's incredible, but we can't sustain it. Um, there are some awakened beings that perhaps they do sustain, you know, an orgasmic life um, awakened. But for the vast majority of us, that's just not how it's going to operate. So, you know, you think of lovemaking, you have an orgasm. It's a, it's a mind-blowing, wonderful experience. But after that, things calm down again and they have to resettle and the body has to readjust and integrate. It's exactly the same with these notes. Um, you know, they can be very expansive, very powerful, but this kind of calming down reintegration period that takes much longer afterwards then has to happen. The other part of your question is life force energy um, and unconditional love. Are they the same thing? This is this is such a deep question, Helen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really, really deep. And you know, when I when I sit with that, there are parts of me that say yes, and there are parts of me that say no to this. So, unconditional love. Um, I mean, we have to understand a bit of what what is unconditional love in the first place, right? Because love takes so many ways, shapes, and forms. Certainly people who have experienced unconditional love, and not everybody has, um, but once you have, you know that you have, those who experience unconditional love will certainly describe it in ways like it is life force energy. You know, love is all that there is. Um, love is life itself. Love is the force that moves through um, everything that is uh, ever is, ever was, and ever will be. And many who have had expanded states of consciousness um, in their experience will have touched upon or will talk about love in some way as well, and that, that flavor of unconditional love. So I think they're highly intertwined. And I think it, it, unconditional love is a language that we have. Love is a language that we have to describe these experiences beyond um, language itself. Now, is it the same though as life force energy? Um, so in those regards that I've just outlined there, I would say yes. At the same time, I also think life force energy is perhaps even, uh, it's hard to say larger because, because love is, <laughs> love is what it is. It's, it's infinite in scope. I think life force energy is an animating force. Right? It's life moving through and it's neutral. It's a neutral force. Whereas love in love is like a, an experience or a frequency, for me anyway, within the greater life force that is. So, you know, if we go back to this idea of humans as little radios where you can tune into different frequencies, I think of life force like the battery itself. We need life force um, to turn the for the battery to be alive and to work. 
unconditional love or love I think of more like a, a bandwidth that the radio can tune into. The radio can make a ch- conscious choice whether they tune into that unconditional love or not. They don't make a choice to tune into life force energy. They need it to be alive. But love for me is a frequency. Um, it, it is an all-pervading frequency and certainly as humans on earth, I think it is the most powerful force that we have access to. Is that the same within our whole cosmos and beyond? I have no idea. Um, but is life force energy needed beyond that? I think so. I think yes, um, for life to take place external to our own solar system. So I, I find your question fascinating and I don't know that I can give a really clear or concise answer on it, but the question itself is, such a beautiful one to journey with um, for anybody to, to feel into that, for the truth of that for, for yourself. Thank you. Thank you for pondering and appreciating and preparing for that question as well. You're so welcome. So the next question, how can we know in everyday life, even if we haven't had a non-ordinary transcendent experience, that love is real? The reason I ask this question is because when I was in my darkest moments and I wanted to throw my hands in the air and say to hell with it all, I just wanted to know if I bothered to try again with life, if it was going to be worth it. And um, well, clearly I'm asking the question, so I did bother and it is worth it. (laughs) And you're still here now. (laughs) But it's nice to be able to hear someone else's point of view about, you know, is love real and is it worth it? Yeah, yes and yes. It's so real. It's the most real thing we have. Um, And is it worth it? A hundred percent, absolutely. It's it's valuable here to um, understand the wisdom that is brought back to us from from near-death experiences, particularly because these are folks who have gone to that edge of existence um, and come back again. And often people will come back and, and I used to actually um, counsel on a suicide hotline as well, you know, so it, it, this is speaking with people who are really at that edge of understanding what is the point, you know, what is that point? And we're living on a tough time on the planet right now. And I know there are many people who are at that edge and asking that point. There's very dark things going on. And so this is a really pertinent co- conversation to have. And often what it, what it comes to when it really comes down to crunch at that point is what are my reasons for staying and what are my reasons for going? And um, it's the same thing with near-death experiences who are presented with a choice point. Do you want to go back or not? And the reasons why they choose to come back into their bodies and come back and have more of an earth existence and the reason why people choose not to end their life will, as far as I'm aware, most if not all of the time connect to a relationship and that feeling of love that they have with someone or something whether it even be as simple as a pet um, or a relative um, or or, you know a family member or a friend but it's that that's the thing (laughs) that's the thread that, that keeps us here people don't come back or want to stay on the planet for success Um, or fame or, you know, accolades, that's not enough. That's not enough to want to live. Um, That's not enough to feed our soul and and nurture us. 
And for those who, you know, have also uh, are transitioning their life um, or those who, who have, you know, gone and, and come back again from those near-death experiences, they too will often come back and say, treat people well, love one another, you know, all you get to take with you, are, you know, are the loving bonds that you have created. That's it. We don't get to take any of the stuff with us once we're gone. So is it worth it? Totally. Perhaps that's even the point of the whole thing is to, you know, have those experiences, dive deep, understand it for yourself. Um, and if you have that soul fire that, that with the question of what is love, is it real, do I know it, keep seeking, you know, keep opening to love, keep saying yes to the invitation of um, wanting to understand and experience love on this planet because once you have, you will know it. You will know it. And the thing is, there is no end to how much love. We, we, we are these open vessels that um, we have an endless ability to experience love. There's no caps that you need to put on it. And the times where we put caps on it or close ourselves from love come from moments where we've been hurt, we've been wounded in some way. And that's because we've loved in that moment that's why we get so hurt and wounded is because we've cared so much and opened ourselves and been vulnerable um within that experience that group or that person um and and something has not gone right in that in honoring each other as two beautiful you know um sovereign beings on this planet something has not gone right in that respectful relationship and so we get wounded or hurt in some way and if we close down from that, um, I think of it like a plant in nature. Once we close down from things, then there's only one way that goes. We wilt and we die eventually. It's either slow or it's very fast. But love for me, and you don't have to have had any kind of spiritual experience at all. No notes to journey with love or to be open to the intention of it. You can think of it like a plant. If you pop a little seed or seedling into good soil that you tend to um, and you give it the sunshine and, you know, you nurture it, it's very simple. Nature is a very simple process. And if we have good conditions, they don't even have to be great conditions, then as we grow as a plant, it experiences goodness and growth. And so I think love is very much like that as well. We can identify it in our own lives by knowing what is good in our lives. Where do we feel growth and expanded? And also a feeling of peace. When we're around love, unconditional love, definitely so, but even a very genuine love, it's incredibly peaceful. There's a deep stillness that, that takes place within the core of our being. Um, and, and it's important to, to, to discern what true love <laughs> and um, love without agenda is compared to something that we might think of as love. We can often get ourselves in these pickles where we think it's love, um, but there's other things playing out. Mm. Yeah. Most definitely. And I think too, once you start to look for love, you know, love takes infinite forms so it's the smile it can be as simple as the smile in a stranger as you walk down the street 
or it can be something you know far more profound and deep between two people or even an experience in nature and we can even see it sitting alone on the couch watching a show or a movie or something and and still experience a sense of it in our heart I guess or in our being and then and then when we start looking for it in its innocent little form of a, a smile down the street or a or a genuine have a nice day at the checkout when you buy something, then we are attuning ourselves to see it and and it just appears more and more and more. Absolutely. And, you know, our hearts and our bodies are so wise. They're so wise. And in the modern world, we've lost the ability to really listen to them and trust them and attune to them and live from them. So just like I was saying before, I think of love as a frequency. Turn that radio on and you can choose to tune in to that frequency and then you can turn the volume up on that. So exactly like you're saying there, once we're tuned into that frequency, you'll experience it at the supermarket, you know, in the most ordinary moments of life because you're tuned in. And when you're tuned into that infinitely loving vibration, Everything is relevant within that space. You're, sim- you're wearing the love goggles. And so you're seeing the world through love's eyes. And that is incredibly powerful. Um, it can be a bit confusing to, to people and it can certainly get you in some um, interesting scenarios in your own life, you know, where people might not quite understand why you do what you do um, or why you say what you say or um, how open you become to things. And yet this is what happened when we consciously choose to tune into to radio love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> so let's ask the final question. And um, I, it's rather dear to your heart. So why do you offer support to people who've had notes? And um, why is it so important and could or does it suggest that maybe we need to be a little bit wary or potentially even scared of these experiences? Mm-hmm. So, again, I love these questions. And, no, there, there is nothing to fear in notes um, and love. You know, love is a type of non-ordinary transcendent experience. There's nothing to fear in them, but I think what is wonderful to have is a healthy respect, a very healthy respect. This is life force energy moving through us. This is us opening up as conscious beings to much bigger, um, much bigger levels of who we are and what we're what we're capable of um, experiencing. So naturally, when we open up more, there's a part of us that is totally freaked out by that. And that's our conscious mind that likes to, um, you know, it likes to be in control. It likes to have a plan. It likes to know what's happening, likes to have an agenda. And, um, and it operates within a certain paradigm that operates within a certain cultural paradigm. Now, when things happen that are outside of that, the mind is the first thing to kick in and go, well, what the hell is going on now? This is strange. This is weird. This is crazy. Um, And so people who have had notes, particularly the big ones, might find that they've either questioned their own sanity at times. They might feel the inability to talk to others about it because they think they're just going to think I'm nuts. 
or they don't know what to do with it. And another part of the problem is that we live in a society right now in this modern world that doesn't know how to have these conversations. If you point back to any traditional society, they all have mechanisms in place where often they would um, try and induce a lot of these non-ordinary experiences. They would use them for healing purposes. They would use them to grow culture and the arts. And they would um, know how to identify, you know, people's gifts and what they were doing and their roles and to heal people. So they were used in many different ways and they were deeply respected. Um, the modern world has just, you know, scratched all of that out of existence. And so that is why there's a part of us that sometimes fears what we think is not ordinary, even the term in itself, right, non-ordinary experience but what's interesting is once you start having these notes and you you know learn to have a healthy relationship with them and you come from a space of a more expanded awake aware consciousness there's nothing non-ordinary about them it's because your own ordinary has been extended and expanded um, so they become the new ordinary for people that, that operate within that space so definitely nothing to fear there at all. Um, offering support though for people who have had notes is, is, is key in many ways. Um, one is I've outlined there because our modern society doesn't know how to hold space itself, even though traditionally we did. So we need to remember as a modern culture how to do this for ourselves, particularly because it relates to how we heal, how we find meaning and purpose, and how we grow and evolve as a species. And I think with so many things taking place on the planet right now, we are waking up as, as a species and more people are tapping in to these questions, to these frequencies, to these experiences, and we're understanding the importance, we're remembering the importance of these experiences once again. So support happens also because, um, you know, when people have notes, um, weird, weird shit can happen. <laughs> weird shit can happen. So things like, um, you know, if, if people are having big energetic um, experiences, for example, then sometimes electricals around them don't work. I mean, it's, it's notorious within um, the near-death experience community that people can't, you know, do the Zoom meetings or, or speak that way because technology continually malfunctions. Watches might stop. Um, people might have newfound gifts, so they might become far more sensitive or have the clairs, you know, clairaudience, clairsentience, clairvoyance, etc. And if you have not you know, dabbled in any of that before or you're not even aware that those things existed and all of a sudden you're having visions or you're hearing other people's thoughts or you're remote viewing or you're hearing voices, that can be really challenging and many people will take themselves over to a psychiatrist um, or many will fear going to the psychiatrist because they don't want to be called mad or some of them might really think they are going mad, go to the psychiatrist and then they end up with, you know, hopefully not, but many do, end up with a label and a lifetime of medication. And that then compounds into a whole other um, kind of challenge. And I've spoken with countless people where that has been their scenario. There are bodily changes, physical changes that people go through. Their sex drives can go up or down or all, all over the place or just non-existent at all. 
Um, and again, you know, highly, highly sensitive. People might decide all of a sudden, I don't want to eat any of that food anymore and go vegan overnight. Whereas others who are vegetarian might become meat eaters because they feel they need to ground. So some very, you know, strange things can happen. We can also feel like we just don't fit in anymore. Like, like they do in the matrix, all of a sudden you swallow the red pill and now what? And what happens with notes is over time, we often um, reevaluate our deepest values. So that might cause people to change their lifestyle, to change their career, to change the type of society they live in, their circle of friends. And usually this doesn't happen suddenly. Um, you know, these, these types of things take time. And again, that integration process has components both in the short-term integration and the long-term integration. Um, other challenges that come up are on the levels of the emotions, um, our mind and spiritual challenges. I mentioned before, some folks think they're going mad. Their emotions might be up or down or super flattened. Um, a reevaluation in their minds of, of all kinds of different things can happen. And these spiritual challenges, maybe we become, you know, spiritually more open, which is actually a huge problem for people sometimes. Um, so finding communities and people that can help guide you through these processes, explain what the heck is going on. Um, and give it a context, help you normalize it and feel like a normal human being again, going through an extraordinary um, experience is just wonderfully validating. Um, and the last piece I'll touch on there in terms of why support is needed is our relationships. Um, relationships can go really funny through and beyond these experiences because they can shift us at our core values. Um, our core essence doesn't shift, right? We're, our essence is always who we are and these experiences allow us to touch into that more and more. But as we do, our values, the things that, you know, we've created around our life, sometimes we realize that's not the pathway we want to be walking down anymore. And of course, maybe we were, we're married to someone or we're in a loving relationship and all of a sudden we realize, hmm, I, I, I just, they don't know me, I don't know them, we're evolving in different ways, uh, we're just not vibing anymore. And this can be one of the most painful parts about notes is when we have a loved one who has, who has really no understanding and no tolerance for what we're going through. They don't want to hear it, they don't want to know about it, they don't understand it. And it can cause the experiencer to feel like they have to shut down and this is a very dangerous moment so um many many levels of why it's important to share these experiences to find support to know that you're not nuts and that there's nothing wrong with seeking support and that that's actually the best thing that you can do to harness these experiences um, because when we live through them we do so not just for ourselves, but for the greater as well. And, uh, you know, that's why it's so dear to my heart to encourage people that have had these experiences, because I feel like they bring through something beautiful for all of us to learn from. Absolutely. You know, it's not just the experiences to hold on to.
Yeah, isn't that fabulous? None of us need to float around thinking that we're crazy anymore. No, nor should we. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing so much knowledge, so much wisdom, such enthusiasm and love for us all through our conversation today, Nicole. Uh, It is my absolute pleasure and just like the name of your podcast said, you know, may there be more love on this planet. Um, The intention is gorgeous and I will do everything in my power to cheerlead, you know, more love in this world. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the More Love podcast and we'll look forward to talking again.